Hello, Orange County, California. It's time for another episode of your favorite podcast, Talking All Things Orange County Soccer Club. And we've got a guest joining us today. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And it's in. Darwin Jones with the response for Orange County. And it is a massive one. Austin Bold dominant in the last seven. Forrester in the middle now. Gets around a few defenders. Forrester with the outside of the foot. What a strike by Harry Forrester. It's the opening goal for Orange County. Has it now. Back post. Opportunity and a goal. A beautiful goal by Orange County. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast presented by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. We are the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm with you pretty much each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Joining us as he does each and every week, each and every episode since day one, we've got Dylan from Counterline Coalition. Dylan, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Um, you know, the, the heat finally broke, but... Could have been a better soccer week, I guess. Uh, that happens. It does happen, and it could have been a better sports week for yours truly, and we'll talk about that through this show. Um, but first, we also got to welcome on, as he is with us each and every week, also all the way from San Diego, Alan. Alan, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Um, things are fine, I guess. Um, it's been a heck of a week in Group B. Um, everything that I thought might happen except for one thing didn't. Um, and it has thrown everything into uh, a poop show, if you will, in group B. So, uh, lots of stuff happening tonight and, um, some pretty exciting matchups to be had in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh group B is, is definitely more wide open than many of us anticipated heading into the C, uh, the return to play. Uh, Alan's going to keep us updated with what's going on in the big match in Group E as we're going through this episode. But we got to welcome on our guest. Um, he's been on the show multiple times before. He was actually with us on our very first official episode. And we always love to bring him on here. That is former player and current assistant coach and all around fan favorite with Orange County Soccer Club. That's Richard Chaplow. Richard, welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Ray, how are we doing? How are we doing, guys? Thanks for having me. We are doing, I'm going to put it that way, I'm not having the greatest of sports weeks, uh, and it's not just because of Orange County Soccer Club. There's a lot of just horrible sports going on for me right now, but we'll talk about that later when we get to the random stuff. We want to talk with you about Orange County. Um, let, just take us through the past like week, week and a half going on here with Orange County. I'm sure uh, you know yourself, Coach Braden Cloutier, uh, probably hasn't been the best week for the club, I guess I'll to, to say it nicely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's been obviously disappointing uh, in results. Um, I think obviously we give ourselves a really good foundation to to push on in the group, and um, you know the last three games haven't gone how we wanted them to go. So um, definitely disappointed on that front. 
Uh, but I do think that there's been glimpses of really good performances, in the, especially in the last two games. Um, I thought we dominated the game against San Diego and, and couldn't take good quality moments um, again. Uh, and I thought we played pretty strongly against Sacramento up until um, they went down to 10 men, funny enough. So, um, you know, I think it's been uh, a case of us not really pushing on and, and being... Uh, ruthless enough in front of goal if you will and also on the back end of that um the other teams capitalizing on on chances that we haven't been able to and you mentioned you know sort of you know lack of being ruthless i guess is is the word you mentioned there we had rob kiernan on last week and he he mentioned he he likes to sort of be that person that's getting under the opponent's uh getting in the opponent's head um you know, being out there and being a leader for this team. And he's done a really great job um, uh, for that back line so far this season, probably the most consistent of the back line uh, performers back there. Um, what, uh, what do you think is, is causing that lack of ruthlessness or what's, what's um, hampering Orange County at this point where they're not able to get those victories that I think many of us were expecting when you look at this group at the beginning of the season? Um, I think if you just look at it statistically, we're actually getting in some uh, some really good positions in the field. Um, the last five games we've had, uh, apart from Sacramento, we've had almost three or four uh, times more opportunities of shots inside the box. Um, so we're talking double figures on them, sort of eight, nine and tens, which is really high for any team. Um, and other teams are creating two and three shots inside our box. Um, and we're just not being able to capitalize um whether it's the final pass the final decision the execution um the shot the cho the choice to pass when you should shoot or vice versa uh, and we've not really quite hit our flow in front of goal right now so um it's been frustrating for for many reasons um i think um, without big hugo up top as well um we would be struggling um across the board as a team uh, to contribute to the goal sheet. And that's definitely been an issue for us um, this season so far. Um, it needs to be a collective effort. And as we stand here today, it's not been that. Uh, you know, do you feel like the players maybe are pressing a little bit now at the point there that I mean, they've had, I, I forget how many matches in we're at right now, but there has been this struggle to put the ball into the net. Um, I, I don't know if you've noticed it. I, I feel like maybe there's been a few times over the last few matches where instead of making that pass to set up a, a better opportunity for a teammate or, or instead of just taking the shot when you have it, there's the extra dribble or just the immediate shot when that uh, is, is an opportunity. Is that potentially uh, something? And, you know, what, how do you address that with the players and how do you get them to, to regain that confidence and that trust with one another? I think um, I think the key word is confidence. Really, um, I think if we if we have a game where we're we're able to get a couple of goals up uh, and take an opportunity or two, uh, I think we would we would be comfortable and then really kick on. Whether it be in that game and the games that follow, um, I think we just got to ultimately keep doing what we're doing because it's getting us into the positions we are. Um, but things when things aren't flowing in front of goal, it, it's it's very difficult, not only as a team, but obviously as players, you start second-guessing yourself. Um, you start maybe taking a shot when you shouldn't. You start passing it when you should shoot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, we have faith within the group that we can, we can work hard. We actually have the opportunity this week to work with the team a little bit, um, something we haven't had the opportunity to do at all in the last sort of six weeks, seven weeks. It's been 
absolutely crazy, uh, manic. Uh, we've been struggling also uh, to get a flow within the group in fitness. Um, obviously, the return to play brings its own challenges. We all knew that was going to be the case. And um, it's definitely given us uh, some problems on the injury side of things. So uh, consistency within the roster has been been a challenge as well. And, and that can uh, sort of stem the flow a little bit in, in how we want to play. But um, we're just, I think, I think also it's played against us in a little bit that We've had we've had moments where we have so much time and we have so much of an overload on the opponent, whether it be uh, four of our guys on three of theirs or three v twos. Um, that at times that can play against you because you know you think you have that extra a bit of time to play the pass, and sometimes you're not taking them shots early enough. Um, but like I said, we're getting in these quality positions and we just got to keep plugging away and hope that um, we can we can start capitalising them. Obviously, we're, we're running out of time, um, so to speak. And I think before I came on the show, um, Vegas, we're currently 2-1 up, but I saw Galaxy literally just equalised 2-2 in, um, in that. And, and that's epitomises really uh, from that performance I've just seen from Galaxy, what we've been going through a little bit. I think Vegas have, have pretty much um, dominated the game. And, but they find themselves 2-2 two, two. so it's about taking your chances um, it's about obviously believing inside the group that we have the quality and I, I'm pretty confident we do um, but we just need to uh, start taking them chances now and uh, hopefully that will then deliver the results we're all eager to see uh, So you mentioned having a little bit more time this week to work with the team in actual training having quite a few days off um or quite a few days in between matches for the first time in a while. Is it mostly finishing training that's going on right now? Is it just attacking movement and trying to get guys in the right spaces to make those chances count? Or, or what's what's been the thought process for you and Brayden heading um, into this match? It's again, it's difficult. As we say, we we've it's the first time we've had time, but we also are very aware that uh, the group are, are really feeling the pace right now of of this backlog of fixtures um so it's a balance between obviously the physical load that we we want to sort of put on the group and uh also getting some good quality moments with them on the field so uh we will be we will basically be be concentrating a lot on the moments that we've been seeing on the field um so we'll be trying to recreate those in training um a lot of like you said attacking moments um I mentioned earlier there that the overloads that we've been able to create against teams in transition moments, uh, the 3v2 uh, times, 4v3s, if you will, where we've got to be a little bit more dynamic in the way we go about our business in front of goal. Um, I think we've got to be a little bit more um, direct uh, with the way that we play in the final third. Um, and when I say direct, that doesn't mean uh, direct from deep playing long balls. I mean direct with our running, aggression, uh, intensity and uh, ultimately it then comes down to the to the final pass and the final shot at goal and the execution from the player um, and that comes down to the quality uh, and like I said I think we have that in the group um, I think all these boys have showed us in previous seasons whether it be with us or, or elsewhere that they're able to score goals uh, but very much this this week we'll be creating uh, yeah, then moments where you get in front of goal, where they have a little bit more of an overload than the opponent, and then we'll be looking to try and uh, see if we can make the right decisions and score some goals, and hopefully that um, consistency in training can carry on into the games. Yeah, with um, 
you also have kind of a a diverse squad as far as age groups. You have these, you know, experienced um, guys like Kiernan and Quinn, and then you have these younger kids that are out there and performing at a high level. Um, what's that been like working with those almost like two different age groups, if you will? Is there a similarity in skill set that allows them to meld together, or is it kind of I noticed uh, Kiernan barking a lot at Finlayson on Sunday. Is there that kind of mentorship uh, being developed between the older group and the those young kids? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't class 18 as particularly young. Um, I was playing in the championship at 18, and um, obviously that's why I played over 400 games. But, you know, I mean, in respect to, in, in respect to American players, it's young. Um, but in respect to a European player, it's actually not not that young so these these guys danny finlayson cami palmer um you know they're in an absolute elite environment at glasgow rangers um it's, it's as good as you can probably get uh they've been in that for a long period of the of their um of the football in life so they're probably a little bit more advanced than what you would say an american 18 year old is um just because of the just da daily experiences you know they leave school at 16 and they've been in that full time now um for two, maybe three years. Um, whereas obviously 18, we're in a different place as, a, as an American. Um, I think they are here to obviously gain, gain experience in, in a men's league and in an immense team. And ultimately we have a group of, of leadership team within the, the roster, the likes of Rob Keane and the likes of Michael Orozco, um, Thomas and Avalson when he, when he is with us, um, that you know their responsibility within the team is to to sort of mentor these guys like you mentioned, um, to give them good habits, to coach them and help them through games. To from from Rob Keenan and Danny Finlayson's position, they're both defenders, both centre backs slash, uh, and and have that connection from Rangers as well. So you know it's um, it's down to Rob to try and get the best out of some guys around him and and higher up the field. You know the likes of Aidan Quinn and, and and then Thomas and Avalton, who is obviously back in Denmark right now. But um, that was very much, you know, it's the pathway of the club. Uh, we want to produce local young talent, and we want to push them on and give them a pathway to to the absolute um, best opportunities, whether it be in in America or abroad. And um, you know, we knew that was was going to be part of the uh, challenge again this year, and it always is. But um, like I said, when I made my debut in England, it was the exact same. You know, I had I had a mentor in that team as well, and uh, he never let me get away with with an easy ride in games or in training. And and that's part of the learning curve for these guys. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing should be given to them. Everything needs to be earned. Um, they'll have some good moments. They'll have some bad moments. Um, just got a visitor there. Sorry, uh, that's my son Milo creeping in with his Orange County shirt on. By the way. Um, and uh, yeah, that's part of it is. And then on the on the flip side, we have we have someone that's really, really young that's played some minutes in Colby Henry, who's done fantastic. Um, and we're really pleased to see his progression. Um, and speaking about it's got to be uh, and, and not given, uh, you know, he's gone out there in training and really uh, took the ball by the horns. And he's been able to, when we've needed him, come into the team and perform. And we're absolutely delighted with, with Colby on that front. I know, yeah, an exciting thing as an Orange County fan, you're going to see some of these younger players getting some opportunities with the club. And, you know, three, four, five, six years down the line, we're going to see them playing in bigger moments, either for the U.S. national team or for bigger clubs. And we're going to be able to look back and say those were some of the 
the, uh, they, they got their start with Orange County, which is pretty awesome. And, and, and they got their start there uh, learning from you, uh, the other players uh, from Coach Braden Cloutier. Um, you know, you mentioned England. I, let's get away from the, the, the seriousness uh, of, of what we've been asking you so far. Uh, I want to ask you a quick question, and I'm going to get a pushback probably from my co-host because everyone knows I'm a huge Tottenham fan. Um, there's been some really gr- crazy news going on in, in England, in, in Spain, about potential return of, of Gareth Bale uh, leaving Madrid, maybe coming to Man U, maybe going to Tottenham. If you were a betting man, let me ask you, if you were a betting man uh, a week from today, where is Gareth Bale going to be? Uh, what jersey is he going to be wearing uh, a week from now? The Real Madrid. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think um, obviously I had the pleasure of of playing with with Bale and um, at Southampton. Um, you know, he's a, he was young at the time. He was actually which we'd just been speaking about young guys, right? Because Gareth was might have just been turned sixteen um, when he was training with with me at Southampton and in the first team there, and then you know obviously goes on to have a stellar. Uh, sort of two years and signed for Tottenham. Um, Gareth likes his golf, so it depends if uh, if if they can pry him away from from the golf course, really. And I think I think also he's he's been a bit of a, he's obviously a top top quality player. Um, but my concern with him going to Tottenham or Man United, obviously, and being a mainstay in them teams, would uh, can he consistently churn out uh, performances in the Premier League uh, on a fitness basis because I think we all we all know he's uh, a little bit brittle, um, unfortunately, because he's uh, he absolutely exploded on the scene, obviously at Tottenham in the end, and after a tough a tough start, um, and then obviously went to Real Madrid and blew up as well. So uh, I'd love to see him back in England. Um, if I had to pick the one. I would probably see him. It sounds like it looks like more like should I say it probably looks like uh, Jose's got his got his man. Uh, and and then let me just say this because I mean you have this relate you you know the guy right maybe you can pry him and get him over to Orange County at, at some point. <laughs> um, I would say I know him uh, well enough to uh, convince him to get to Orange County. Um, but sell him on the weather and the golf course we we well i would do but uh it's it's very smoky outside right now so uh <laughs> it's not the best uh postcard to send back but um no obviously uh top tight i wish him well um uh, and uh it'd be, it would be nice to see him back in the premier league because that's predominantly what um i'm watching as we see as an englishman uh let me just ask you do you have any like last words or any uh comments or anything you want to share with the fans before we let you head off for the evening uh, not really. I mean, it's just been difficult, right? So um, we're finding it challenging um, every day, whether it be, uh, you know, getting fit bodies onto the field for training, whether it be the smoke, whether it be the heat, uh, as it was the week before, uh, whether it be the testing and the, the sick up the nose every week. Um, it's not pleasant, but, you know, uh, I, I'm no doubt, you know, people like you, you three guys who have uh, been with us from the beginning are finding it challenging as well, watching it from, uh, behind the TV screen. So uh, we look forward, obviously, to be able to get you all back in the stadium. Who knows when that will be, hopefully sooner rather than later. And uh, hopefully we can uh, repay the faith when you guys get back in with some good performances, plenty of goals and uh, maybe even a few beer fest nights. Uh, I'm sure you guys enjoy them once. So, uh, but before that, we have, you know, obviously have business to do on, on Friday against uh, against Las Vegas. And uh, Hopefully that starts starts there and there and then with three points and uh, rather than be a fest, let's hope we get a goal fest. Huh? <laughs> Definitely, and as much as we miss being at the matches, 
it's it's awesome to be able to hear yourself and Coach Brayden Cloutier on the streams because we can clearly hear the messages you are uh, providing to the players out there on the pitch, and and it's definitely a, a just a, a a new interesting perspective that you get from watching sports now is being able to hear what the coaching staff is yelling out to the players on the pitch. Yeah, so uh, hopefully it's been not uh, it's been clean. Uh, at times it can get a bit heated, but it's uh, that's definitely a new experience, I would say, because we can also hear the 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 other team's bench, for example. So uh, there's been some interesting conversations going on there as well, um, albeit always friendly and and uh, well mannered, uh, but it can get it can get heated for sure uh, because, like I said, we can hear everything they're saying. They can hear everything we're saying, uh, and without doubt, we obviously don't always agree with with what they're saying. So um, it's uh, it's interesting. It's uh, hopefully it won't be the new normal uh, for much longer. And um, yeah, and again on that, we, you know, I know you guys have been watching us on the stream away from home, but we appreciate everybody coming out and obviously whether it's um, encouraged or not uh, from a, a government and city standpoint, we we do appreciate you guys being around the outside. We can we can hear you on the field, and uh, it definitely gives us a little bit of an extra uh, kick and energy. So uh, thank you very much for that. Yeah, from what we hear from some of the leadership of Catalan Coalition, they're doing their best to try and keep people spread out and wear masks. Um, and hopefully they're doing that. But once again, I want to thank you, uh, Richard, for taking some time to join us. Uh, you've been a great part uh, of the club and you were on with us the very first episode we had. And and you're always willing to join us on this on this podcast. So we appreciate that. And we wish you all the best of luck in your next match against Vegas and the the, the next few matches after that. And hopefully you guys can get on a nice little run, get some good uh, chemistry going, get some good momentum going, head into those playoffs. I hope so. I do hope so. So, we'll, uh, like I said, we'll we'll work hard this week and see where it takes us, but uh, it won't be for a lack of trying, that's for sure. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Richard Chaplow, uh, assistant coach for Orange County Soccer Club. Uh, you can watch the club and support them via uh, either ESPN Plus or the Cox Your View for any of the matches that may be remaining on that uh, and show the love anywhere you can, social media, uh, wear your jerseys around Orange County, uh, whatever you can do to, to spread the love for the club. Thank you, Richard, for joining us. Uh, and no best problem. of luck to you guys. Thank you. Oh, I cut him off right when he was saying thank you. I'm so sorry, Richard. Um, it's it's always, <laughs> yeah, bad, bad on me. It's always awesome to have uh, players on, but Richard has been, you know, the one that, you know, day one was willing to come on and, and talk with us. And anytime we've asked uh, if he can join us on the the podcast, he's been willing to do so and take some time. So that's always awesome. And, and it's always great to learn things. And, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I had to ask those tough questions at the beginning, but I, I think those are the questions that a lot of Orange County fans are wondering is what's what's been going on that or what's lacking from Orange County over the last few weeks or last few matches that have uh, caused some difficulty. Alan, you, you're making a face. What's going on? Uh, a Vegas shot just went over the bar, and that would have been an equalizer. But right now, um, Vegas is losing, which is not good for any team in Southern California, but LA. Yeah, I, I think uh, the fans in San Diego and the fans in Orange County are all rooting for Las Vegas at the moment. Um, let's just talk about it. A few weeks ago, none of us would have thought it was going to be this type of race between three three clubs heading into the final, like four or five matches of the return to play schedule, but it is. Uh, and Orange County 
is sitting in a position where they're going to have to rely on others to help them out. I, I don't think the way things are looking right now, it looks like they're going to need some help if they're going to want to be able to push to make playoffs. Now, obviously, they have to take care of their business, which it sounds like Richard and Coach Brayden Cludy are aware of, and they're hoping to try and get that instilled into the players' minds heading into these final few matches. Um, but is is where Orange County is right now, and we'll talk about the matches this past week, um, but I want to get a quick answer from you guys. Is where Orange County is right now in Group B and, and the way the season's going, is it a disappointment? Dylan, I'll go to you first. Yeah, fourth place in a group of Vegas and Los Dos. Yeah, yeah. Orange County should be in second place right now, if not first. Um, this is very bad. Well, especially with Orange County, the first, you know, couple matches return to play, they were very dominant against a Phoenix team that everyone looked at as that is the top team in Group B. Um, you know, we like we were making the argument maybe heading into the return to play that Orange County has just as deep uh, a team, maybe not deeper in certain areas as Phoenix, uh, but it didn't quite end up where we are now. Uh, Alan, really quick, disappointing where Orange County is right now? Um, yeah, you have to be. Um, regardless of how you feel about the season starting, where you think that they might end up, um, the fact that they're in a conversation of will they make the playoffs um, is not something that Orange County going into the season wanted to be. Um, there's still lots to play for and lots to happen. Um, and, you know, you want other teams to take care of business to put you in a better position. But I think ultimately you're on the outside looking in right now. That's got to be a disappointment. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that. I, I, again, heading into this return to play, we were all looking at it as a two team race with potentially San Diego uh, putting up a little bit of a fight for the season. But I think we were all looking at the rosters, looking at the, the teams, the schedules, and thinking it's really Orange County and Phoenix's positions to lose at the top two. Uh, and now Orange County's, again, have they're in for a fight. And and since we've been around as a podcast, Orange County has made the playoffs. This is now something we're sort of in uncharted territory as a podcast where Orange County is looking at – they're on the outside looking in. Now, some of that has to do with these unbalanced groups that were created, um, you know, Group A is pretty much just a gifting Reno and Sacramento a playoff spot. Um, but it's difficult. It's difficult to look at. Let's talk about these matches that happened this past week. The first one we'll talk about is the Sacramento match. Uh, Orange County was looking pretty good. I, I think uh, Richard Chaplo was talking about it. They were dominating the match for the most part, or at least looking really good until the Sacramento player takes a swipe at – uh, the boot of, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. DJ. Darwin Jones um, gets a, a red card, you know, makes that, you know, does what all soccer players do when they get a red card. What me? Oh my gosh, I didn't do that. Um, but it, I, I think all of us can agree. And I, I'm, I would assume Sacramento fans can agree the way that played out and the swipe. And it was just a straight swipe at an ankle. It's a red card, right? Let me go to you first, Alan. Yeah, zero attempt to play the ball. Um, the ball is already gone, and he takes a giant hack at the shin. Um, I don't have any problem with that being a red card. Um, 
yeah, he just straight up just kicks him. And if he's going for the ball, sure. Um, if it's a professional foul, like you're trying to take him down to stop an attack um, and you kind of clip his f- foot so he stumbles, that's one thing. But when you're taking a, just a swipe at someone's shin, is like pretty good windup and follow through. Um, that's it's hard to see anything but red. Um, I mean, it started out so well, like with the highlights right now, with you know getting that goal, and you know that's a goal where things are going right. It's going to go in, um, and maybe Okoli overthinks things. That's the problem. But yeah, Orange County was was the better team for a lot of that game, and you go up a man on a pretty nasty red card. You think that would fire the team up to go and just destroy him, but but that red card seemed to awaken the beast of Sacramento. Uh, you see this all the time in sports, whether it's basketball and a, a, like a coach or a player getting ejected, um, or in baseball when the manager does you know the whole temper tantrum and and kicks dirt onto the mound and or to the home plate and then. Um, you know, gets ejected and then the team sort of rallies back. Seems to be what happened here with Sacramento after uh, the red card. What do you think, Dylan? Happens a lot at this level. We see it pretty constantly. You know, a team might have their backs against the wall and they pick up a red card, um, whether it be two yellows or a bad foul or just some kind of classless play like this. And, um, you know, the other 10 guys go, okay, I'm not getting a free ride out of this match anymore. Um, I need to step up. And they do that, and that's what Sacramento did. And I think we've looked at it quite a few times this season. If you score a goal in the first 10 minutes, and it's the only goal you score, you're not going to win that match. Um, Teams have taken a lot of time to build into matches with the chaos of the season and the quick turnarounds. Some teams take 20, 30 minutes to build into a match. We've seen Orange County do that multiple times this year. Um... And you don't make the rest of them count, and you switch off in defense. Uh, you know, for for an hour, really, thirty minutes in, we make our first mistake, and then it's really our backs for against the wall. And I think we would have looked a little bit better had one of our players get sent off. Um, but you know, it's the nature of the beast, right? And then you only get a couple days to turn around and try and bounce back against San Diego and try and make something happen. But you can't address any of those issues when you have three, four days between a match. Um, you just kind of go for it and hope you can get something out of the next one. So is it disappointing? I mean, is, is I don't, I, I just feel, and I can't really recall like for certain, but I just feel like there's this, once something sort of goes wrong in a match for this team, they sort of buckle a little bit. Um, or maybe this is just me just getting off watching the um, LA Clippers drop three straight and, and basically three straight where they're leading at halftime um, and, and drop them all. So maybe that my mind's just right there, but I feel like orange County has done a, a few times this year where uh, it starts to go bad. And instead of patching the, the, the injury, they just let the injury just explode and, and things go downhill for them. Is that, am I, am I thinking correctly or is, is it me just getting over watching the Clippers? That was a weird metaphor. Um, it was. I it was. Know. I apologize. What do you think? Um, I mean, I'm not sure if it's time yet to quite push the panic button. Like, I'm looking at if San Diego 
wins every game that they play but the games against Phoenix. LA wins every game but the games they play against Phoenix, San Diego, Orange County. Like, Orange County is still in the driver's seat. Like, Orange County needs to beat LA. And they don't even have, like, like not getting points against Phoenix and Orange County winning, a, uh, you're looking at 27 points. A, uh, San Diego has to play Phoenix twice. And Orange County has a game in hand. Yes, LA has a game in hand um, before tonight. After tonight, they'll be just be three points ahead. But you also get to play them, and they ha- their schedule is San Diego on Wednesday, next Wednesday, Vegas on the road, LA or Orange County at home, and then Phoenix on the road. Like there's still a gap there that if Orange County can figure themselves out because it's not like Richard Chaplow said it great. They're creating chances. There, there were tons of chances on Sunday um, and against Sacramento as well. They're just not finishing. Um, and if you're putting yourself in a good position and you have the talent that Orange County does, those goals will come and they should come. Um, and they have a chance of getting nine more points, which puts them at 27. And that is a pretty good chance of getting into a playoff spot. The first tiebreaker is wins. So you got to win a couple games in there, and then you might have a tiebreaker over L.A., uh, even with a goal differential, because right now they're negative two. Um, So there's still still a pathway there. It's not time to, like, say and give up on the season. There's still a path there. Um, L.A.'s got the better path, but... Um, Orange County can still take care of business and still get into that second place. So let's talk about this match against San Diego. Uh, after the collapse, <laughs> for those not watching the live stream, you just missed uh, an amazing moment there from Dylan uh, headbanging his headphones into the ground. Um, after the disappointing collapse in Sacramento, you had to look at Going to San Diego, it, it's a must win at that point uh, when you're looking at the season. Um, and it didn't quite go the way Orange County and their fans were hoping for. Uh, before we get into the, the match, let's talk about the officiating in this match. I, I think I, I'm not quoting Dylan precisely, but I, I swear on our text thread, he mentioned that this was the worst officiating that he has seen Uh Dylan's looking it up to read it. What was it, Dylan? That was a couple weeks ago, I'm oh, okay. sure. Um, that was the original match against San okay. Diego. This one started very poorly. I will give you that. But like Alan said on our podcast last week or two weeks ago, if you're looking for one refereeing decision to be whether or not you get a result, the difference maker there, things can go to plan. Orange County took 12 shots this match. Two of those were on target. Let's not talk about the the shots because the shots were not even great from Orange County in this match. I think there was one where Ugo Coley like should have scored and pushed it to the left or something of that nature. Um, Darwin Jones making an excellent save. I mean, those games (laughs) happen. And when they happen on the back of dropping all three points against a side with 10 men, it feels really, really bad. But no, Orange County just was really off the mark. And then you see... Uh, Alejandro Guido, you know, that's why he's in all of my FM teams. Uh, 
he's a good player. <laughs> and uh, with a good finish. And then the second one's just an error from Frederick Dew. That you don't go out for that ball and you don't punch it straight out. And, well, he's smart enough. There's a reason he plays in MLS. Um, that he just chips everyone. It, a bit of a mess, but these things happen as much as they suck. And uh, Orange County really just needs to learn from this and, and be better because now every match is a must one. So we um, we have the benefit of having Allen down in San Diego. He actually was at this match, got to experience some of the chatter going mm -hmm. on. Let's say that. Um, I, <laughs> I know there was a very uh, a few very controversial calls on the pitch, uh, including a called penalty that was waved off. Um, and... Yes basically called nothing and, and given back to San Diego. I, I was wondering in that moment, like how did, why did San Diego get the ball in that moment? Can you let me know, Alan, you were there. What, why did San Diego get the ball? If it was like a, a no call uh, in the end of all things and, and how go for it. So uh, the first, the yellow card foul, I, I heard the ref talking about it. it was the second phase. And I think he like tried to claim that Barry got like a kick out or something. I'm not sure what happened at like the 20 something minute where Miguel Barry gets fouled, but somehow he's the yellow card, but then the ball goes, it was like two minutes of utter chaos. Like nobody on the pitch knew what was happening. Like it happened right in front of us. The officials were talking both sides of the team both teams were like i have no idea what's going on whose fault uh whose foul is what um it wasn't because landon donovan cried it was because the ref was terrible uh the penalty was not a penalty the goalie has every right to come out the goalie made contact with the ball that means he has the right of way which means that it's not even a foul on the keeper you can't call a foul on the keeper for making a play on the ball in the, the area of the six-yard box. And that's not a penalty. That ref was terrible when it came to – he shouldn't have called that penalty. He shouldn't have given the card. Uh, I think I saw there was an offside on Oloski that got called back. Yeah, also another terrible call. Uh, the Everyone who's sitting on the far right side, the Orange County folks are right in front of that, you know, rightly so. Um this was the fourth official was the same official from the handball game, the last Orange County San Diego match. Um, it was it was it was utter chaos that first half. Uh, right in the middle of an amazing monologue, it makes yes. it look bad. It makes. I mean, it just it it makes everything. It makes the game hard to watch because you're not sure. Like if the right things are going to get called, and then, um, yeah. Except he didn't, Chad. He didn't make a play on the, the ball. The goalie didn't get the ball in the Vegas game. Like the ball went through his legs, so he didn't get a ball. He didn't get the ball. Rewatch the game, Chad. The keeper hits the ball away. The ball goes off to the side, off of the keeper's legs. We're getting and, uh, Alan riled up here. And, We're getting Alan riled up. Hey, and that's I, a save, which means he can clear out the player. Let me let I me mean, say this. I'm glad Akoli's fine. Let me just ask this because you were at the game again, Alan. That first goal, you know, I, and I tweeted, I tweeted, I texted you two on this. It looks like the San Diego player just like phantom slide tackles gets in the way of Cami Palmer, 
who is trailing the scorer. You can, and then it's a it's you, a it's a wide open shot for the guy. You can blame um, you can blame Morosco for that for stepping in and, and shouldering well, the guy. There's a lot that we we've we 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 all agree on that Orozco has made some very questionable um choices on the pitch this season. Uh we I, I think we all agree he's an amazing player. He has he's had an amazing career, but he's made some questionable decisions out there on the pitch this year. But how is that phantom slide tackle by the offensive player that that gets in the way of the defender? How is that not some sort of uh foul that calls off that goal? I I that's just that was my wonder. I, I know I also tweeted a picture of the uh, Alosky, which I was saying it should have been a red card on our thing. I'm not even going to talk about that because um, I think no one agrees with me on that, so I'm not going to bring that up. But how does an offensive player slide tackling the defender that has to jump over it, and the, it's the defender that has the best chance of stopping the goal, how does that not get called back? Because Orozco initiated the contact. But did he? Yes. Yeah. It was yeah, barely. Go, pull pull up that clip, shoulder to shoulder. Orozco steps into Miguel Berry. Miguel Berry very slide tackles though. It, Miguel it, Berry if got very. Down, he's not going down for a clean slide tackle. Miguel Berry very very smartly hits the deck after contact. For a controlled create, slide tackle. Doesn't make contact with the defender. Uh, so I don't see Tammy how you. Palmer should have tripped over him, and then it would have been called. Maybe. With that official, with that official, with that official, could have been sent off for that. Who knows? So Cammy, Anything right? could have happened. With Cammy, that official, next time you're in that situation, per per Allen, and he, it sounds like per Dylan, Cammy, if you're in that situation in the future, run, just keep running straight. Don't jump. Just let that guy trip you, so that way the the call gets made. I mean, I mean pre- I, pretend I, pretend you're Harry Kane in the box, leave a trailing leg, fall over it, and see what you get. I mean, I think that's I mean, what Miguel Barry, that's what Miguel Barry was essentially doing. Contact, hit the deck. You might get a free kick out of it. With this ref, who knows? You could have gotten a red card on that play. Like, who knows? In the who end, knows? Orange County should have won this match. Uh, I'm sure, Alan, as a San Diego win, um, you are excited no. about the win. That's not it. San Diego. San Diego. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think anytime you. San Diego, we know. Sando Guino on in. Yeah, I think anytime I like go into this game, I think you're looking for happy with the draw, excited for a win. I think Orange County is a tough team. Um, and, you know, based on the way they played them before, they hadn't scored against them. It was a, you know, two nil loss and a nil nil draw. And, you know, you're looking just to get one. Um, the new signings have helped, but I think this was kind of a, if I would rank the list of wins, you know, you, you talk about the Real Monarchs or Real Salt Lake or whatever they're called these days. Real Monarchs were selling our team. Um, I think you rank that one up there um, and you would have to put this one up. Like, I think this is a an important win for the franchise. Um, but I, like I said, I think Orange County is still has the talent and is getting themselves in a position like um, Ugo, uh, Shana Coley brings a ball down in the box and puts it in. Um, the ball, he doesn't push it far wide. He gets the goal like he gets in Sacramento. You're fine. Um, Elijah Martin doesn't race back to the line and he puts it in near post after that Darwin Jones shot. You're fine. Like there's things I was like, I think San Diego was lucky to get away with the win. Um, I think they got outplayed for long, long portions of the match. Uh, there was tons and tons of counterattacking opportunities, which I think Orange County needs to continue to take advantage of. 
Um, they're putting themselves in the best position and they're counterattacking, I think, even better than they did last year. Um, Orange County is doing a lot of things well. Um, it's just the ball's not finding the back of the net for whatever reason. And I don't think it's because they weren't kicking it at the goalie this time. I think it's they're trying to they're trying to find those corners and it's just not uh, it's just not working. And when they do, there's a defender there on the post. Um, yeah, I think San Diego's lucky to get three on this one. Um, especially after two goals, but I mean, sometimes soccer is a strange cruel mistress sport. where, yeah, it's a cruel sport where, you, like um, I said last time, you can outplay a team for 60 minutes and a couple minutes of good play by their yeah. team. And that's the match. These two matches were flipped basically. Um, you can see the growth that San Diego's had and they look Granted, there's a lot of new faces in that side, and those new faces, no disrespect to Elijah Martin and John Kempen, but those new faces are the reason that they've been good. Um, look at what Miguel Barry has managed, uh, Rubio Rubin, and uh, Alejandro Guido. Without those three, this game's probably a cakewalk for Orange County because San Diego has nothing to offer going forward, and outside of those three, they didn't really offer a lot going forward except for Ben Spencer running into Frederick. I was like, all right, I will, I will fight Ben Spencer, even though he's got like seven inches and probably like 20 pounds on me. Um, you know, don't, don't touch, don't touch Freddie. But yeah. I and mean, if we look forward at, at next games, things Orange County has to do better is probably starting with Michael Roscoe. Stop stopping, trying to playing, play the man. I can't speak anymore, but he needs to stop playing the man as much as he needs to start reading the ball a little bit more um, and reading the play a little bit more before deciding to make a move. And I think that's haunted us a couple times this season where he's made some questionable plays there. Um, and he does the thing I do in Sunday league all the time where you like step up and the guy does a little turn or a pirouette. And then you just try and like stop yourself from getting megged but the ball just rolls by you. And I mean, Honestly, multiple times this game, he tried to play the man instead of anything. And we were lucky that he didn't get booked. Um, we're lucky that he didn't see a succession of bookings for, sorry, a succession of bookings for doing that. Just a goal, I guess. It's been messy. Um, but I think part of this is guys are really tired right now. All right, That was two or three straight weeks that we'd played a game every, every three or four days. Um and you can see, you know, your decision makes a little bit worse off when you're tired. 70 minutes into a match, you played three games last week, and it was 100 degrees in all those games, and you're exhausted. Uh, it doesn't matter that there's five subs, really. Switch off for a minute, you get burnt, and, and that's it. And like Alan just said to me in the little chat, it's playoff soccer for the next 20 days. And yeah, it is. And it was playoff soccer on Sunday. And um, Orange County is a side that is good enough. It's just going to be, hopefully they took some time this week, um, rested a little bit, worked on finishing and training, worked on that attacking movement and training, and and studied the tape from the last two, three matches to see what could have been a lot better. Hopefully they take all of that and move on, and, and every match from here on out is kind of back to what needs to get done. If you look back in 2018, what we did against St. Louis, what we did against Reno in the playoffs, if you look at uh, 2019, it's that run from uh, mid-July on through 
through September. If you look at this season, it's the first two matches against Phoenix where everyone knows what their job is, everyone's focused from the start, and everyone holds that focus for 90 minutes. And if we do that, honestly, I think we get back into second place and we we see the postseason. All right, so really quick for time purposes, we've got a match coming up this weekend, this Friday, actually, against uh, Las Vegas. Um, any thoughts on it, or do you don't want to just go and get straight to the predictions for this match? Uh, I think Vegas is going to be itching for a result after just losing to uh, Los Dos a few moments ago. But I think also that's going to be a huge blow for their confidence. They had something kind of brewing for a little bit, this is a very big loss to throw away a 2-0 lead. Have we done that this year? Those ones hurt a lot um, as a fan. I'm sure they hurt even more as a player. And uh, without Ramon Del Campo, they, they have some serious issues in that back line. So I think everything here is uh, is right for the taking for Orange County. Yeah, they're playing on three days rest. Um so you're going to be that team that's a little bit fresh um, and they're going to be the team that's tired. Uh, so hopefully uh, you can do what um, to them, what you've been kind of up against. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the benefits of having that rest before this match is this is a, you know, a big game. I know it's against Vegas, but it's a big game. Um, and I think that this is your opportunity to really uh, put some pressure. You have, fast players that I don't think have been taking advantage of all the time um, and put them on and just run them ragged. And, um, you know, you might not get goals right at the beginning, but you run them ragged, you control possession, you counterattack like you can, uh, and you might get a couple goals in the, you know, 60, 70th minute when they're tired um, and you are good to go. So who's going to win, Dylan? Orange County. Two nil. Alan, hold on. Wait, wait. Oh, three nil. Three nil. Alan. Uh, that's what I was going to say. So I'll take your other option of two nil. Um, I think a multi-goal game for Orange County is going to be important. Uh, they don't have a ton of those, uh, and they're going to need to get some uh, as they get into the playoffs. Um, to be, the ability to put in more than one is going to be important. So I think two nil. I think someone was agreeing with you on your prediction there, Alan. Um, <laughs> uh what do i say what do i say um just do it man we need it we need it last Ooh. year wait wait whoa, whoa everyone you heard Brian dylan Olofsky. just now he just said do it we need it Brian do Olofsky's it we need it right match. yeah just... um five nil vegas we need it um yeah I think Quinny gets one. I think Palmy, uh, Cameron Palmer gets one. Palmy, we're gonna start calling him Palmy. Palmy. Maybe we Cam- start Cammy calling Pal- him Cammy Palmy. Hey. Palmy. Next time you see him, Alan, that's the way you got to address him. You got to address him as Palmy. Let's Pass. see if he does it, folks. Who, <laughs> who thinks he'll do it, ladies and gentlemen? Let us know in uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, anywhere. He just called him Palmy. So he has to do it. It's the rule. You have to do it now because you just did that. (laughs) Alan looks scared. 
<sighs> yeah. Any other soccer? Way he tackles people. The kid's a <laughs> madman. So I like love doing it. Doing some he, NFL he... MMA stuff, winding up Jordan McCreary. That's going to be a huge asset come playoff time. Um, if he can, if we make the playoffs. Yes, assuming we do, and assuming he's able to not be suspended, if he can wind guys up like that, that could change the course of a match. We saw that in 2018 when Michael Seaton wound up, I believe, wall fall, and uh, that was, I believe, murder she wrote after that one. Why'd you have to bring up Michael Seaton? Why did you have to do that, Dylan? Um, Any other soccer news we want to talk about? Let Let me ask you really quick, Dylan. The, the question I asked Richard Chaplo a week from now, where is Gareth Bale? Uh, I don't know. Probably in a golf course somewhere. I don't really care. Uh, Luton Town's playing Manchester United in the Carabao Cup fourth round next week. So uh, see y'all on Twitter. I do want to say for you, uh, Dylan, is uh, Tottenham didn't list Cameron Carter Vickers on their like rostering issue him a number for the season, a jersey number for the season. So yeah, he's going we to still have some hope. Huh? He's going to Bournemouth. You think so? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, no one um, cares about English soccer, so... Um, well, no, i got to ask Alan the question. Where's Gareth Bale going to be in a week? Uh, reprising his role as Batman. Nice. That's <laughs> oh, wait, that's one. that's his brother, Christian. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe finally getting a haircut? Or okay. a shave. Um, hey, there is some USL news. Oakland Roots have officially... Joined USL. No one's surprised by this. I think Sock Takes was the first to report it a couple weeks ago. Or, you know, they're the biggest ones that I saw report it a while back. But, um, woo, quite the um, pickup for the West Coast. That'll be a great one. Assuming by next season, fans will be allowed back in Stadia. So that will be a fun trip. It's always good to have a little bit more on the West Coast, too. Um, make up for that loss of Fresno and hopefully they get that Monterey team going either at the championship or league one level sometime soon. Uh, Can we say per... like forward, forward Madison of California? No, um, they're less more... gimmicky and more community based. Yeah. More culturally proficient. Um, per That's Jeff Reuter, he said um, 2022 at the earliest, I believe is what he uh, for Monterey, yeah. Um, Oakland Roots, uh, USL show did an interview. Uh, it'll be out in podcast form today, tomorrow, I believe, uh, with the communications director of Oakland Roots and Ryan Madden. Um, so check that one out. Um, I listened to it already tonight, and there's a lot of really good stuff about what Oakland Roots stands for. And I think with the landscape around owners and clubs being um, kind of crappy at times, and um, not community centric. Um, it's really refreshing to have a team like that coming in that I think is going to um, really, um, really kind of push the envelope and make teams kind of step up and continue to reach out into their communities and build those things. So I think it's going to be a gold standard for that kind of team. And I think uh, a lot of teams are going to learn from them. Awesome. Anything else before we get to our random thoughts, gentlemen? Okay, Dylan, random thought, go. Um, I miss Michael Seaton. <laughs> no, you, <laughs> you, you, stole my weekend, but... you stole my tweet. And well, I said that when he when we figured he was leaving last year, but I, I missed that. I think he's the 
I don't know if Ugo really has enough um, competition at the moment. And I know Mike is rather injury prone with the way he plays. Um, he He's more than willing to go crazy to have a shot and have a chance on target. So I know that might, might have caused some problems this season, but that kind of fight right now is what this team really needs. Um, I hope we I hope we find it uh, and we get it. And I hope Ugo um, is able to find the back of the net again. And I hope Brian finds the back of the net for the first time. Yeah, I miss it. DJ, that'd be great. I miss that insanity, mostly. I just miss guys doing crazy stuff to try and score. What about you, Alan? Do you have a, a random thought to share? Yeah, um... Ballots are coming out relatively soon, uh, but it's never too late to do some research. Uh, down ballot races are super important to your local communities, and we push a lot of knowing your local community, and soccer is a great vehicle to get in touch with that. But I'm going to encourage you to um, ignore the presidential race for a minute. It's going to be there. Don't worry about it. Uh, and spend some time getting to know some of your candidates down ballot, your community college board, your school board, your city council members, your county boards, a lot of those have a bigger impact in your day-to-day -day life. So I'm going to encourage you to take some time this week uh, and do a little bit of research about who's running on the tickets down ballot, especially school, bo school board races in Orange County are a really big deal. Uh, so uh, invest some time into seeing who's running your local school board. Uh, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Um, if you have them, uh, but yeah, get to know your down ballot races ballots are coming out soon. So start doing research now. Perfect. And as I mentioned last week, you know, my wife is celebrating her 40th birthday this month and we're doing a bunch of virtual events to celebrate it. One of the things we just did this past weekend was a virtual magic show, which was damn fun for, uh, these two gentlemen did not join us for it. It was an amazing magic show. Um, you know, it's, you know, one of those things that makes you think like, how did he do that? Uh, and it was an awesome thing. Um, the magician's name was Eric Wilzig. Uh, he performed on America's Got, America's Got Talent. And the show he put together was a pretty, pretty good show. Um, top rate production for a virtual magic show it was awesome. Uh, so if you're looking for something to do for you and your friends, put to, an event together, uh, check it out. Um, and before we wrap things up, and I'm going to go to Alan to read off the promo plugs that we have, I'm going to play this quick little promo video from the magician that I hired uh, this past weekend for my wife's birthday. Here you go. Name a place out loud. Go. Spain. Spain. 
Spain. And you see, I wrote something. My dream vacation is going to Spain. Love Long Island. I have I have sparkling hands too as I read this ad. Just imagine epic music. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at Roughneck Scarves. Boom. Boom. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Boom. Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, or even adult or even pro team? Bomb! Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. All right, so for Richard Chapel, our guest today, thank you for joining us. Dylan Allen, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. And we are... Out. I was waiting for a bomb. Oh. Oh.